Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Forget What You Think You Know podcast. I'm Nathan Brewster, a graduate on the National Graduate Development Scheme for Local Government. One of the key areas I have worked on is devolution and levelling up, and what it could mean for local communities. But what is levelling up? Being from a former industrial town in the northeast of England, to me, levelling up means increasing the opportunities and quality of life for some of the more deprived regions, communities and neighbourhoods across the nation. But is this what we should expect? The Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, has mentioned levelling up in a number of his speeches to the country as a nod to his plan to help every area of the country thrive in the future. We believe that there is uh, talent, genius, flair around the whole country, but opportunity is not evenly distributed. And that is uh, our ambition, and, and that is what we are doing with our, with our campaign levelling up. So what does levelling up actually mean? What impact will it have on local communities? How will it be delivered? There are still a number of questions unanswered. In this episode, we will be getting insight on what we should expect from the upcoming Leveling Up white paper, which will set out government's vision for leveling up, and hearing some local perspectives on what challenges communities and businesses face post-pandemic and how leveling up can tackle some of these issues. It's time for you to forget what you think you know about leveling up. In my first interview, I spoke with Esther Weber, the senior UK correspondent for Political Europe. Here's what she had to say. Hi Esther, thank you for speaking with me today. Really looking forward to digging a little bit deeper into the levelling up agenda. So first of all, we're just emerging from the pandemic. What do you think are the key areas the government needs to address as we look to recover? Um, well, I think so the main thing emerging from the crisis will be jobs, will be shoring up jobs, because obviously a lot of different businesses and organisations have suffered through the pandemic and the government will need to show how it is supporting people to stay in the jobs that are still available, uh, while also looking to create new opportunities. Um, so that's obviously a key part of it. Um, education is another really big one. Obviously, um, the, the crisis has impacted children's learning hugely um, so I think that will be another really big area for the government um, and also um, they'll be looking at uh, things like income support in, in the sense that a lot of the, the main benefit universal credit has been uplifted during the pandemic and there's obviously going to be um, a kind of crunch point when and if that is reversed. Um, so yeah, th those are some of the big challenges government is looking at as we hopefully emerge from the pandemic. 
I suppose moving on a bit more to, to levelling up, um, as part of the recovery, and even before COVID, government, and the Prime Minister in particular, spoke a lot about levelling up every area in the country. What do you think the government mean when they talk about this? So I think at its kind of core, levelling up is, or should be about reducing regional inequality. Um, and obviously that can mean loads of different things. So it's about, you know, securing more jobs for certain parts of the country, um, better investment in skills and education. Um, and some people have said that, in fact, because it encompasses so many different aspects of policy, it, it's a bit kind of vague or meaningless. And I think now that at this moment we're sort of coming out of the most severe part of the health crisis, that now the government is going to have to try and demonstrate that it can actually convert that phrase into something more concrete. So we've, we've discussed a bit about what you think uh, government means about levelling up the country, and we know more details will, will be announced in the levelling up white paper later this year. But what do you expect we will see within the white paper? So I think the white paper will touch on a lot of the things we've uh, talked about, so in terms of jobs, education, skills... Also, um, I suppose what we haven't really discussed so far is infrastructure investment, which seems to be one of the government's preferred uh, levers to to pull um, with regards to levelling up, i.e. the idea that by funding big infrastructure projects, um, transport and so on, you create jobs at the same time as improving connectivity. So I expect that will also feature, but there will be a more wholesale approach. Um, and um, and I think also what we can expect to see in the white paper is the problem we discussed a bit earlier about um, levelling up being possibly too broad a term. I think the government is aware of this and they know um, that this is an issue and I think we can therefore expect the white paper to maybe have some more specifics about how um, how the government is going to measure levelling up and demonstrate that it's made a difference. Absolutely. Thanks, Esther. So we've, we've touched on this, I suppose, but I suppose getting it out a bit more explicit, should a local approach be adopted to levelling up? And, and if so, why do you think that will be the case? Um, definitely, I think it, the, the phrase and the commitment to levelling up will be rather meaningless if it's not driven by a local approach and by people on the ground. I think um, I think the form which that takes has been a more difficult question. Um, so I 
I'm well aware that there's a criticism of the government that the promise to invest money hasn't been matched by more devolution of power or by necessarily involving local authorities um, at every stage. And, and I think that is a case for local areas to make and to, to kind of say, well, we should be involved in this. Um, and, and to show in certain cases um, that, the, that the way those decisions are being taken at the moment um, hasn't gone hand in hand with more devolution. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily my place to say there should be more devolution, but I think the government is definitely open to criticism on that front. So will levelling up help as the country looks to recover from the, the last year? It definitely should. I mean, the the phrase the Prime Minister likes to use is build back better. So um, it, he, that slogan is all about, or it should be all about, um, a kind of reconstruction after the pandemic in a way that's more equitable. And I think also an added factor which you touched on earlier is that areas which were already um, suffering multiple problems as associated with deprivation, so sort of lower life expectancy, lower rates of employment, often those areas have been worse affected by the pandemic um, precisely because of the demographics of the people who live there. So um, people with pre-existing health problems, um, people who have had to attend work throughout the pandemic uh, for various reasons. Um, so that some of those problems have been made worse and obviously, if we're looking to recover from the pandemic and make it an equal recovery, then the government really has to focus on those areas and how they're going to stop those problems from getting even worse. So it sounds like the white paper will aim to tackle inequalities across the country and will look at investing more in jobs, skills, and some of the priority areas to get the economy back up and running as we look to recover. It also sounds like only a local approach to levelling up will work. With this in mind, I wanted to find out how that could actually be delivered on the ground. I went to speak with Manchester City Council leader Sir Richard Lease to find out how levelling up could help communities in and around the Manchester area and what role the council there take in this. So today we are talking about levelling up and what it means for local areas. I want to start with your city, Manchester. Manchester is obviously a, a very famous city, but can you give us a bit of background into Manchester, its city size, its characteristics, even some insight into its residents? Since probably around about the year 2000, 
Uh, our population has been increasing on average at 2% a year. So uh, we've, we now have a population of probably around about 560,000. We were hovering at 400,000. So that's been a significant increase in uh, population. Uh, we are very much a young city and getting younger. Um, so, for example, uh, for Greater Manchester, a third of all the 18 to 29 year olds live in the city of uh, Manchester. Um, and certainly pre-COVID, we had the uh, fastest growing economy in the country, one of the fastest growing economies in uh, in, in Europe. So. Uh, I suppose the only other thing I'd say about the demographics of, of the place is that uh, uh, we now have over 200 first languages spoken in our schools. Uh, we are, uh, along with London, um, I think we kind of equal London for diversity, but we're the most diverse uh, city in, in the UK, which I think is one of our strengths has been that diversity. So there's lots of interesting things in there. Going a bit onto the pandemic, can you give us some insight into the impact COVID has had on the communities in Manchester? There has been an impact in uh, health and uh, uh, death rate. There's a Marmot report published earlier this week that showed a 25% uh, worse drop in life expectancy as a result of COVID compared to the uh, uh, national average. So there has been quite severe health impact. And lying below that is that we know that uh, massive increases in people with mental health problems, particularly younger people. Um, sections of our in industry, clearly with a big strong tourism sector, strong sports sector, strong hospitality and culture sector, all of that's been until very recently pretty much uh, closed down uh, really. Because uh, again, uh, Manchester is, uh, Greater Manchester has probably had a lockdown conditions more than anywhere else in the country over the, the period of COVID. So it, it has, I think, had a uh, certainly an impact on the health of the city. We we will see long-term health impacts. Uh, we are looking at the impact of uh, uh, long-term mental health issues for our younger people, long COVID, uh, all of which we will need to address as we go forward into recovery. Uh, the economic economics of the city, and we're finding now that now uh, Restaurants and bars have been reopened and so on. Uh, people that thought everybody had got used to having takeaways in, uh, uh, rather than going out, well, they got that wrong. Uh, I, I tell you that Manx could not wait to get, get out. And uh, so the, the hospitality in industry is uh, where it's open is thriving. Although we now face another problem is we have major staffing shortages. Uh, not least uh, a big chunk of that workforce uh, were from uh, other parts of Europe. Uh, They've gone home and uh, if, if they were planning to come back, they can't because of COVID. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so yeah, we've got, we've, we, our challenge now for growing the economy is uh, actually filling vacancies rather than anything else. So I, I get, get what we need to do then is to match that with people economically inactive with the jobs that we've got. Thanks for that, Richard. Can you give us some insight into the support the council gave and also some of the challenges the council faced during the pandemic and I suppose now too? Well, I th I th we'll start with our own workforce, of course, that uh, uh, at any given time throughout the uh, pandemic, uh, over 50% of the council workforce have been at their normal place of work because they can't do their jobs otherwise. And that's both direct employees and contractors. So 
you, you can't empty a bin on Zoom. Uh, you can't provide care to uh, an elderly person or a disabled person via uh, Zoom. So you know, lots of people had to be in their physical places of, uh, of work. That's the case all, all the way through. Um, what I've done a number of things is that, first of all, uh, we've uh, been sourcing warehousing and supplying our own PPE, particularly to care homes in the early days of the pandemic when national supplies were just not getting through. But we are still supplying amounts of PPE. Uh, we set up a massive food operation uh, for people, uh, vulnerable people who were uh, effectively locked up in their homes. Uh, uh, there was a shortage of supermarket slots, even if they knew how to use a supermarket slot. There's an assumption you know, that, that quite often elderly people who really were not very IT savvy. So a massive food supply operation working with the voluntary sector, but again with the central hub. And that was uh, uh, council staff who basically volunteers, but seconded from out, out of their normal job in order to do that sort of, uh, sort of work. We put in a COVID hotline operating seven days a week that uh, uh, still exists actually, but the number of calls clearly is, a lot, lot smaller than it used to be, but it was hundreds in the uh, early days, people seeking uh, support. We've tried to deal work, again, working with voluntary sector partners with issues around loneliness, uh, lack of co contact, those uh, health problems that have gone with COVID. Clearly, um, uh, particularly adult, adult care, working very intensely, for, intensively with colleagues in the health system, uh, particularly around discharge about making sure that people don't need to uh, be in hospital, get out of hospital as quick, quick as possible. And I have to say some Herculean tasks in, in, in that. So it's uh, uh, done a phenomenal job. Uh, making sure that uh, care homes were safe places. And uh, given the recent controversy about whether the uh, government did ask for all people to be tested before being discharged to a, a care home, government might not have done but we did uh, that locally we put that in place to make sure that we did test people before uh, uh, discharge so actually yeah making sure that the and similarly for the domiciliary care making sure all of those services were uh, were in place um massive amount of support to business um largely through managing uh, government government funds but uh, alongside that particularly for hospitality you're going to uh, Manchester City Centre and some of our district centres now, you'll find tables and chairs and hospitality where they didn't used to be. Whole streets have been uh, pedestrianised. Some of that will become permanent. But so we've done everything possible uh, that we can to keep business operating. We established with uh, colleagues in the private sector a business sounding board so we could work with business uh, to make sure that we kept the economy going as far as possible and we, we are able to rebuild it as quickly as uh, quickly as possible. Um, uh, a lot of work around enforcement, so making sure shops, licensed premises and so on followed the uh, rules on, on COVID, so um, a massive task around that through licensing officers, environmental health officers and, and so on. We've uh, been operating localised test and trace far more effectively than the national uh, system. Uh, we've been doing lots of community activity around vaccinations, uh, work, again, working with communities, but effectively taking uh, vaccination to the people rather than necessarily expecting them to tr travel significant distances to uh, uh, to centres where they could get vaccinated. So 
particularly we've been doing a lot around uh, COVID as well and massive education programs on COVID as well so that people do un understand it. It, it. It's been quite busy. Yes, absolutely. And we've already touched on inequalities, but what do you think needs to be done in future to address some of these inequalities that you've said COVID has kind of laid bare? The real question comes down to uh, how do we do effectively eliminate or reduce inequality uh, in in the in the first place, which does take us to uh, uh, I think government's levelling up uh, agenda or lack of a levelling up. Well, it's got a levelling up agenda. It hasn't got a levelling up strategy. Um, a levelling up. When if we look at people rather than places, uh, this is a long term. It's a long term project. If we're not thinking 10, 15, 20 years, then we're not on the not on the right page uh, uh, at all. And there really needs to be a strategic approach about. Uh, investing in those communities uh, for the long term. I know there'll be a lot of institutions involved, but do you think councils could and should lead the levelling up agenda? To do that, what support would be needed? Well, no, councils' job, they, they basically, the fundamental job is to be leaders of place. Uh, yes, we deliver services and they're, they're important services. And uh, for many people, they're life-saving services. So uh, clearly the service element is... Uh, uh, fundamental to what councils do, but we are uh, leaders of place. We have no reason to exist other than the place that we uh, re represent, and we're the only institution that that's uh, uh, true true about. Um, yeah, we we already have the ability to bring partners together. Um, in Manchester, uh, we have a, a long-term strategy for the city, the Our Manchester strategy. It's a strategy for the city, and it was written by the city. So. A massive consultation, participation exercises, uh, health, education at every level, the voluntary sector, faith groups, uh, individuals, environmental groups, uh, you name it, all involved in determining that uh, strategy with an enormous consensus of the sort of city people uh, want, want to see. We asked people in Manchester, tell us what your dream Manchester is. Uh, we invited people to dream and, and we... Now, our strategy is real. It's based. It's based in. It's deliverable. It's real. But it's really based on uh, our population's vision and aspirations uh, for the uh, for for the city. So we've done that. We have a partnership, the Our Manchester Forum, that meets on a regular basis to, to be able to deliver that. Said earlier that around COVID, that we brought together a business sounding board to from the private sector to support us in economic uh, recovery. We as a council convene that, brought it together, they run it, we don't run it, we're very clear about that, it's, uh, but we stim stimulate that. So we all do play that leadership uh, role and clearly what we need from government is is effectively the power and resources to be able to do that more, uh, more effectively. What I would like from the levelling up agenda is for us as a place to be able to agree, rather than going through bidding for little pots of money here, there and everywhere, for us as a place to agree uh, a medium term strategy with central government, agree what the level of resource is, do that once and then be able to get on with it rather than what we are doing. Uh, so from, that's what I'd really like from the levelling up uh, agenda. We, we'll argue about what that level of resource ought to be and, and, and so on. But we ought to be able to have at least uh, a five-year plan that we can agree with government, agree what level of resource we'll get for that five-year plan and be able to get on.
So it sounds like local areas hold the key to our recovery as we look to the next few years, but a long-term solution is needed if they are to achieve anything. As mentioned in my interview with Richard, in order for places to economically recover, businesses must be empowered to thrive again. Councils and local partners can play a key part in this. I wanted to hear from businesses to see what support they actually need and what they would like to see from national and local government in order to level up. With this in mind, I spoke with Daniel Bellis from the Federation of Small Businesses. They represent hundreds of thousands of small businesses that all vary in shape and size. Here's what Dan had to say. So today, we are speaking about levelling up and how that will impact different parts of the country. Firstly, I want to explore where small businesses are after being hit by the pandemic. I imagine it has had a huge impact on small businesses. Do you find that's the case, Dan? Definitely. Um, over the last year, I, I, think, I think it's not just small businesses. I, I think if you rewind to about 18 months ago, everybody had grand plans, whether or not that was uh, expansion, uh, taking on new challenges within the businesses, or if you're just likes of you and I, perhaps even just going on holiday in the summer. Um, a lot of those initial plans were put on hold, and for small businesses, those plans turned from expansion and, and looking forward to the future to immediate survival. Instead of how do we get this business to grow, it was how do I survive not just the next six months, but the next six weeks. Um, I think a lot of businesses over the last year have, have seen some pretty dark times. Um, a lot of them have been worried about how they're keeping not just food on the table for themselves, but also their employees if, if they have employees going forward. Um, but hopefully now, as we're beginning to come out the, the other end of the crisis, we're beginning to see small business confidence pick up. Um, there is a bit of optimism there that those that have made it through this far uh, the pandemic and the crisis uh, can, can almost see the light at the end of the tunnel. And it's very important to remember that there are a number of businesses and sectors that are still closed and haven't had any opportunity over the last 18 months to, to open up and to generate any income. So for us as FSB, they're the ones that we've got a very keen eye on at the moment um, and ensuring that, that they make it through this crisis as well as those that begin to feel a bit more confident now as things progress and go forward. Moving on a bit, how have councils and local partners helped to support their local businesses through through the pandemic and through this, this difficult period in general? Have you heard any particular stories? Um, I, I think local government has had probably one of the biggest challenges in terms of supporting small businesses. So obviously there has been a flurry of grants that have been issued from central government. And obviously, a lot of the execution of that has been carried out by local authorities and, and, and councils there. Um, and to those local authorities that have, have got the money out of the door to small businesses, I, I cannot stress enough how life-saving those grants have been to many small businesses that we've heard of. Quite frankly, without those grants, those businesses wouldn't be there today. All of the support that has come uh, via government has been extremely welcome. Um, but those grants have been consistently top of the message of saying, actually, no, this has been the the one bit that actually, if it wasn't for that, we absolutely would not survive. Um, so to those local authorities that have managed to, to get the job done in that area, thank you. However, there is still uh, a, a big issue in, in, in terms of getting some of that money out. Um, we understand as FSB that it's complicated and that local authorities can be caught in a bit of a, a lock in a hard place when it comes to issuing these grants. 
Um, but we, we would almost always urge local authorities to look at the individual cases of the businesses, even if it's just a couple of grand. Those small amounts make a huge difference to small businesses. Um, I, unfortunately, I can't remember the name of the local authority, but I know that when the grants were first announced 18 months ago, there were two or three local authorities that were extremely quick off the blocks um, issuing grant money to businesses before I think they'd even received it from local uh, from central government uh, treasury. Um, those types of moves were incredibly positive in, in getting that money out quickly. I think one of the key things we've seen from local authorities has been the importance and need for strong local leadership in this. Where you've got the ability of your local leaders to make those decisions, to enable the council to be quick off their feet, to, to support businesses where they can, it's been really beneficial. So moving on a bit to, to levelling up, levelling up might mean different things to, to different people. But while, and again, recognising the diversity that you, you mentioned earlier, that small businesses are, are diverse, what do small businesses generally need to see in order to truly level up? Well, you're absolutely right, Nathan, in, in terms of it means different things to different people and it will mean different things to different businesses as well. Um, so whether your business is involved in exporting or, or it's all local produce produced locally, levelling up is going to mean different things to them. Um, and obviously, if, if, if you take the geographic nature of the UK, um, levelling up is going to mean different things in different parts of the UK. So we need we need our town centres, our high streets, our local areas to reflect our local people, but also our local businesses in them as well. Um, and, and that might be looking at, OK, how exposed are we to the likes of the big department stores uh, closing down? Is that going to leave a huge hole? What are our transport links to our nearest um, ports, our nearest railways, our nearest um, cousins in terms of our cities and town centres? How, how easily can we trade between those? Um, there does almost seem to be a danger sometimes that all roads lead to London. And actually what we need to do is, is connect our towns and our cities and our businesses in, the, in those local areas a lot better in order to enable them to trade locally, not necessarily down uh, an M1 corridor, for example. So th th there's a lot that we can do in, in different town centres and different areas. But I think the key people involved in making these decisions will be the local people and the local businesses. So you mentioned that uh, levelling up kind of the key players are, are regional people, local people and, 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 and local businesses. What role could councils play to help businesses in their area survive and thrive in the short term, but also looking into the future? I, I, I think the biggest lesson that we can learn is unshackling. Just because a guidance document written in Whitehall in London doesn't explicitly say that you can use this particular pot of money for that very particular issue that you have in your town centre that is crippling some of your businesses. You should have the ability as your local leader to say, actually, this fund is, is there to try and level up, it's to try and improve the place, make business easier, make life easier, create jobs in the long run. But just because it doesn't fit this very narrow brief means that we can't use it. You should be able to have that uh, leeway, that leverage to be able to say, actually, we're still hitting the wider goal here and we have the confidence in ourselves as local leaders in our community to say you know what we believe we're still meeting your overall targets we're doing it our way and i think that's the importance of having that level of local devolution when it comes to leveling out thanks dan that's that's really interesting so councils can can utilize their flexibility and, and their knowledge base of, of the, the businesses um in their area definitely um Local businesses and local leaders will be integral 
to leveling up. I, I don't think that this is something that can be run um, from from central government simply because each of these different areas are, are different. Um, they've all got their own histories, long histories, and they've all got their own challenges. So the best people to understand those within that broad framework are the local people. From my chats with guests today, I found one defining feature. Leveling up can't take a one-shape-suits-all approach. For leveling up to work effectively, it must be led locally by people who know their community's needs best. If we are to recover and thrive as a country post-pandemic, a local approach is vital. Until next time, I've been Nathan Brewster and I hope this has helped you to forget what you think you know about leveling up.